spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs and Beachside Roofing. Aloha and good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise. And this morning, Yanji, we are going to beginning, uh, we are beginning sort of a new series as we spotlight uh, those who are seeking public office. We, we were able to speak to the candidates for lieutenant governor once on this program already. But this morning, we're kicking off a series where we're going to dive a little deeper into some of the issues as we get to know the candidates a little more. Yeah, we've invited the major candidates running for lieutenant governor to join us here for the full show, the full half hour. We're going to give them a half an hour each, and we're starting off with Ikaika Anderson. He's a familiar face, of course, having spent a number of years at the Honolulu City Council, and now he is hoping to head over to the Capitol as our lieutenant governor. So, Ikaika Anderson, good morning. Aloha, good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, great to see you. And, and as we noted, you are a familiar face, but let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to since leaving the council and why you've decided to put your hat in the ring for this particular seat. I'm offering to serve the people of the state of Hawaii as Lieutenant Governor Eugene and Ryan for one simple reason, leadership. I just see that we really need to ensure that the state executive branch comes together and is able to work together for the people of Hawaii. That's really why I've entered this race. And as a former elected executive, and I'm the only candidate running for Lieutenant Governor at this point, who's a former elected executive. As an executive, you have to make split second decisions, oftentimes unpopular ones that affect the general populace. But I've had to make those decisions from tough decisions, closing the Honolulu City Council, the legislative branch representing more than a million people on the island of Oahu, to navigating through a COVID infection in our Honolulu City Clerk's office. Within three hours of my finding out about the infection in the City Clerk's office, Dr. Scott Miskovich was on the ground offering testing, not mandatory testing, mind you, voluntary testing for those employees who wanted it in the legislative branch. But we also extended that to the executive branch. So it was the legislative branch that led the city and county of Honolulu that day. Since I've been out of government, I'm now a single father of four children. My oldest daughter, Tiani, is now married. She and her husband, who's an intelligence personnel in the U.S. Navy, live in the Aliamanu Military Reserve. My oldest son will graduate from Kaiser High School this year, and my twins are in school at New Valley Middle School. Uh, so I'm a single father. I still am also very involved with the day-to-day -day care of my grandparents who live just across the lawn from me. Pop is 90, Tutu's 87. We've gotten them both vaccinated, both vaccination shots, their booster shots. I still have to get them to their doctor appointments. I work with my mom and my stepfather on that. Uh, that's challenging with Kupuna, but for the most part, 
uh, other than physically slowing down mentally, they're both doing exceptionally well uh, for their age. And my Keiki get to see their great grandparents every single day. Uh, we usually eat dinner together tonight, uh, every evening. We really try to make that a point. And it's with that solid family background, coupled with my experience as an elected executive that I believe separates me from the other candidates who are very worthy in seeking this office. You know, there's a lot of topics that we want to get to, but let's start off with COVID-19. You, you know, you mentioned it there in, in this introduction statement, but uh, what are your thoughts on where we're at right now as a state? Of course, we heard Governor Egan announce yesterday that they'll be dropping the mask mandate. Um, your thoughts as we move forward through this um, pandemic and, you know, if you do become the uh, candidate and you are elected into this role as lieutenant governor, your thoughts on how we manage this moving forward as a state? Well, I'm the only candidate running for lieutenant governor that had the buck stop on my desk regarding COVID, where decisions were ultimately made by me. I had to make the call. I'd like to commend Governor Ige for keeping us safe. Yes, these mandates were a challenge to go through, challenge for businesses, challenge for our schools, particularly uh, our younger Keiki in schools. I've got uh, my two twins who I mentioned are 11 years old and in middle school, very challenging. But I gotta commend the governor again for keeping us safe. In looking at the CDC, recommendations and guidelines. I do see that for those who are vaccinated and boosted can possibly start to move into going without masks. Uh, I'm willing to consider what the governor is offering. Uh, but again, I have to say that he has kept us safe and had to make decisions that weren't popular. Elected executives make unpopular decisions all the time. In particular, uh, I believe that Kauai Mayor Derek Kawakami has also excelled in keeping his people safe and doing the best he possibly could to keep his message consistent. That's also important, being consistent with your message. And I believe that Mayor Kawakami in particular was able to do that. But we need to ensure as government, as policymakers, that we're looking at the science, that we are adhering to the science, and especially as none of us running for Lieutenant Governor have a medical background, it's also important that we consult those in the science community and the medical community to ensure that we have all the information in front of us to make decisions when we have to. Because really, when you have a split second decision to make, you really only have the information that's available to you at the time that you have to make the decision. You don't have the ability to crawl down a hole and wait for a few days or a week or longer to make a decision. You got to make it quickly. And then you have to justify and live by that decision. I've had to do that as council chair tough, very tough position to be in, but I'm up to the challenge. I wanna ask you uh, one decision that the governor has decided to make uh, is to mandate new state hires to have a COVID vaccination. Uh, he Obviously the emergency order goes away uh, at the end of this month. And so the weekly testing mandate goes away. The employees who stuck by that but didn't get vaccinated seem to be grandfathered in. But for any new hires, he does say that that will be a requirement going forward. What are your thoughts on vaccine mandates for that, uh, for state hires in particular, and also looking ahead to kids? Um, you did mention that your kids are 11 years old. So they are in that sector that is eligible for a vaccine. Do you think that the 
DOE should institute some kind of a vaccine mandate for kids on public school campuses as well? My twins are vaccinated. I had extensive conversations with Caleb and Kylie, my son and daughter, uh, who, as I mentioned, are 11 years old. Really, Yunji, they asked me to get vaccinated. Both of them asked me to get vaccinated because they felt from what they saw that it would keep them safe, first of all. And second of all, they weren't able to watch their older brother play football at Kaiser High School in his senior season, his last year. They missed so many games because they weren't eligible to take a vaccination that was required. So they watched the games on TV when the games were broadcast. But when they weren't, Caleb and Kylie didn't get to watch their brother play. Now, going to your question on Governor Ige's mandate, I understand the governor's mandate in requiring a vaccination. I would take that uh, step further in broadening the approach to also allow for testing. I believe we have to keep testing as an option for those folks who cannot or will not get vaccinated. I believe the state has to offer another option and government in general has to offer another option. So as Lieutenant Governor, if I were Lieutenant Governor today, that's what I would ask the governor to consider. Requ requiring the vaccinations or in lieu of that, testing. I just think it's important to offer people choices while at the same time keeping us safe. And I believe we could do that with both of those options. Switching gears here, one of the things that you spoke about the last time we uh, talked to you, I believe it was last year in December, uh, you know, you had spoken about one of the priorities that you would like to focus on uh, in this role as Lieutenant Governor is housing specifically and uh, trying to work on ways uh, to one, of course, increase the capacity, but also just the affordable housing issue that we have here in the islands. What specifically would you look to do and, and to create um, if you can lay out some of your more specific details and thoughts on this issue of uh, housing and the crisis that we face here as a state? Mahalo for that question. We have an extensive plan in our campaign on the housing issue, both workforce housing and homeless housing. Very important. In 2018, the end of 2018, I worked with the Lieutenant Governor's office in conjunction with my office when I was Honolulu, uh, when I was becoming Honolulu City Council Chair, in bringing people together to establish the Kauhale concept. And we did that first in Waimanalo. Now, many folks asked, oh, Ikaika, why Waimanalo? Is it because it was part of your council district? No. Waimanalo because I'm a Waimanalo resident. And oftentimes with these types of services, people say, well, let's try it over there first. And if it works over there, then maybe we can do it over here where I live. I wanted to do it where I live and where I'm raising my ohana. So the Kauhale concept is very simple. It provides tiny homes in a community setting for people who are living homeless. What we did with partnership with the Lieutenant Governor, my office identified a community leader, Auntie Blanche McMillan, who held lease to a state Department of Land and Natural Resources property. And Auntie Blanche was willing to relocate dozens of homeless people living on state property outside Waimanalo Beach Park to her property in a permanent housing setting. But what Auntie Blanche couldn't do was get state DLNR to agree to the use to house homeless folks. That's where the Lieutenant Governor came in. He cut through the red tape. He helped us work with the Department of Land and Natural Resources to let this happen. 
And today, Auntie Blanche is housing dozens of formerly homeless people from Waimanalo Beach Park outside of it on this Kauhale property. Now, this project isn't called Kauhale officially. It's the first unofficial project to open. It's called the Hui Mahiai Aina project because it was a bit nonchalant how we set the project up. Sometimes, I would say oftentimes, the state legislature's tried and true method of task forces, working groups, tried and true to them, but doesn't always bring results immediately. We had to get these folks housed and the state let them languish there for years before we were able to finally get them going. Now, what we have shown with this process is that this model it can be duplicated across the state. The first official Kauhale project that was modeled on what Auntie Blanche did opened in Kalailoa in November of 2021, just last year, a few months ago. We can do this across the state, most communities that want to do it. With workforce housing, I'd like to see the state partner with the counties in identifying state-owned land coupled with working at the county level to work on planning, work on community buy-in, and providing affordable housing. We have a parcel in the middle of Kailua Town where Cinnamon's, the popular Kailua restaurant, uh, has parking at, and it's right next door to the Meridian East condominium project. And also across the street from a senior rental housing project, the city owns the land across the street at Lanihuli, the city affordable rental project. That parking lot next to Meridian East that serves Cinnamon's is a prime location where housing could be done. Partnering with the state on the dollars, the city provides the land. Uh, as a former Honolulu City Council chair who is very well versed in the land use process and in working with our labor organizations, bringing all these folks together to be able to deliver this project. I do have a commitment from State Senator Chris Lee, who wants to work on this project together with the next state administration. He's also willing to work with the city and county. We could make this work. I believe the community would be willing to do it. Workforce housing for teachers is also very important to me. I'd like to see the state take our larger school campuses, high school campuses in particular. We don't need campuses of 10 acres or more anymore. Obsolete. Take down the buildings that aren't being used, repurpose them so that we can have solid 21st century schools, more in a vertical setting. And as we take down those buildings and go vertical for school uses, I believe that we'd be able to partner with the private sector and with the labor sector in providing workforce housing opportunities for our school employees. Athletics administrators, teachers, and folks who work in our schools having solid opportunities for housing. Those are some of the housing policies that my campaign has been discussing and that we've also been sharing as we move across the state. 
That housing idea, uh, specifically looking at Kailua and what you mentioned um, in, in Waimanalo, you know, the, the thing that that project, and if you look at Pu'uohonua Owayanai uh, with Twinkle Borge there or an Auntie Blanche, you have these community leaders that are really willing to step up and manage those projects. Would you propose having the state take over, uh, you know, hiring somebody at the state level to actually do that? Or would you rely on community leaders? How would you actually do that? I'm trying to think of, you know, who would run that Kailua project in that in that former parking lot that you're talking about? I would ask that the governor allow me as lieutenant governor to have a position in my office that would be able to work on this initiative. The state legislature has appropriated tens of millions of dollars to homelessness. What has the state legislature actually built, though, in terms of housing? From the city and county of Honolulu's perspective, I can point at different projects and units that have come online at the county level. What Auntie Blanche is doing in particular. Uh, we also uh, are working with uh, Twinkle Boards. That's another opportunity, I believe. The people in White and I seem very motivated and in support of that process. So to answer your question on how this could all be managed, I would like to see a component to do this within the Lieutenant Governor's office. But as I also shared with you the last time, I've had the opportunity to talk with a number of former Lieutenant Governors, the current Lieutenant Governor as well. But Governor Waihei in particular shared with me that the relationship between the Lieutenant Governor and the Governor is 95% contingent upon the Lieutenant Governor, proving two things. One, that the Lieutenant Governor is trustworthy, and two, that the Lieutenant Governor is competent. Because if you're not both of those things, let's be honest, you're not going to be afforded anything to do. You know, we, uh, of course, this is a statewide race and uh, you have been in office here on the city level on the island of Oahu, but we'll have to address some of the issues that are happening on some of the neighbor islands as well. Yes. One of the more contentious issues that will come up again in the next few years will be that of the 30 meter telescope on Hawaii Island. Do you support the construction of this TMT project uh, and your thoughts on where we're at now with the project as a whole? Great question. I would like to see additional involvement from the Hawaiian community, more at the decision maker level. Uh, I am a, a believer in the Oahu Island Burial Council plan and process. I would like to see Mauna Kea work something along those lines where you have folks from the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, even up to including the Polynesian Voyaging Society and the different counties being able to be involved with the Hawaiian communities. I also believe it's absolutely important to show a good faith effort to the Hawaiian community that those telescopes that are no longer in use and are obsolete start to be deconstructed. Not after anything new is built, but prior or in conjunction with, to show a solid good faith effort in going forward. These are discussions uh, that I look, look forward to having more of uh, as I move across the state. But I have had the opportunity to talk to many in the Native Hawaiian community who just feel that their involvement really hasn't been at the decision maker level. That's really what I want to see. More involvement at the decision making level and that process that the Oahu Island Burial Council uses 
where there's direct decision-making ability and accountability. That's what I think needs to happen. And I believe I could help facilitate uh, those discussions uh, as the only candidate running for lieutenant governor that's of Native Hawaiian ancestry. And of course, my involvement with the Hawaiian Civil Clubs over the years. I want to get your response to the scandal at the legislature. We've had a number of people come on here, including U.S. Attorney Claire Connors, talk about corruption, uh, not just in the ledge, but in other departments, DPP. And then, of course, the Stacey Higa case comes to mind as well. There are a number of bills at the legislature, including perhaps limiting uh, campaigning to off-season so that you couldn't actively campaign as a lawmaker during the six months that the ledge is in session. What do you think is a way to restore public trust? Have you looked at any of those bills, or what would you propose to do? Because I think a lot of folks right now, when they see that scandal uh, and the others, just feel like they're all corrupt and I don't want anything to do with politics. As I move across the state, people scream at me for term limits. And they tell me, Kaika, term limits are good enough for my county council member on the neighbor islands. Here in Honolulu, I've had people tell me, Kaika, term limits were good enough for you as a council member. Why not for state legislators? Great question. As Lieutenant Governor, I've made a commitment and I'm on record to stepping into the Lieutenant Governor's office and offering a constitutional amendment that will establish term limits for state legislators. Eight years, four two-year terms for state representatives and two four-year terms for state senators consecutively. I also believe that this would make elections extremely exciting for the electorate, where you may have different lawmakers running from one office to another, albeit without the power of incumbency behind them, which is huge. Uh, taking on an incumbent is very, very, very difficult. And even if you have a state representative, for example, running for the state Senate or a council member running for the state house, that person is running for that other office, absent the power of incumbency behind them. I also think it's high time that the legislature introduce legislation that would strip a, a pensioner who's been convicted, convicted of a felony from receiving any of their pension. Let's strip the entire pension. Why the legislature saw fit to only strip half the pension of anyone con convicted of a felony in the course of their official duties is beyond me. I believe if the pension is going to be taken after someone is convicted of a felony, they should lose the whole thing. Not half, not a quarter, all of it. That's fair. On Monday, we spoke to Peter Ingram here on this program, and he spoke about what Hawaiian Airlines is seeing on the tourism front and how they are expecting a, a large um you know, large numbers in terms of visitors to our island once again, now that things are beginning to open up. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on where we stand with tourism being a strong economic driver for this state, but trying to find that balance we saw during COVID-19 uh, and the surge of visitors that we saw last year before Delta and Omicron, that there was this conflict between local residents uh, who in some cases were happy they got their beaches back, now having to um, sort of fight for their spaces with those visiting our islands. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on how we manage tourism moving forward uh, in this era beyond COVID-19. Visitor industry management is also a key component of my campaign for Lieutenant Governor. As I talk to people across the state, they share that same level of frustration, Ryan, that you mentioned. Wow, 
it's nice that we're going to be able to pay our bills again with these visitor dollars, but I really miss my ability to go to the beach before and actually find parking or actually find a place where I could sit down with my ohana and not have to compete with visitors. Welcoming 10 million visitors or more to Hawaii is just not sustainable. This is something the state should have and could have tackled years ago. They didn't. So as a city and county of Honolulu council member, I decided to work on the issue myself. My office did work with the administration. And what we did do is we prohibited commercial activities in our city parks, city beaches, starting in Windward Oahu, uh, in the Windward Oahu part of Kailua. Why only Kailua? Because some of my colleagues from other areas on Oahu just did not want to have this discussion with their communities just yet. So I asked them, that being the case, can you at least kokua the Windward community in helping us to be able to establish this? And it's worked. We see the large-scale tour buses now being relegated to Kailua Town with a handshake agreement between my office and Kaneohe Ranch and later on Alexander and Baldwin. We also stopped any type of commercial activity rentals in our parks that later extended to Waimanalo Beach Park. So we're keeping the commercial activities in the commercial areas. I also think it's high time that we have the discussion with folks like uh, representing entities like Hawaiian Air, one of our state's largest employers, uh, about the number of airline seats that we're offering. Again, 10 million visitors just is not sustainable. It's not a sustainable model to bring that many people here. You're going to ruin what we have that makes this place special, not only for visitors, but for us residents. And how can residents be proud to show something off to a visitor that is all kapakahi after they leave it? Those discussions need to be had. And I think that the appropriate place to have those discussions is in the lieutenant governor's office. And again, I'm the only candidate running for lieutenant governor that has hands-on done any visitor industry management whatsoever. Look at the Maui County, for example. The Maui County Council introduced and passed legislation to, res to restrict any new building permits in resort areas throughout the county. We're going to see more of that possibly even from Honolulu, Hawaii, Hawaii Island, if the state doesn't get its act together. With Ikaika Anderson as Lieutenant Governor, we can have these discussions with the county councils and come up with broad state policy that the people across Hawaii will be able to embrace. We are almost out of time, um, but before we go, I want to get a sense, some, you know, the part of the reason that we have these long discussions is also for the viewers to get to know you. Um, so, uh, you know, as we said at the top, you were in the city council for over a decade, and we feel like a lot of people know you uh, for your professional work, but what is something that you think that people don't know about you? Maybe a hobby, a special talent, how you unwind, just something that you think that people don't know that might they might find surprising. I unwind spending time with my keiki. So af after becoming a, a single father, I really wanted to ensure that my keiki had positive, additional positive outlets to keep them busy and also uh, to be able to keep their attention in a positive way. About 10 months ago or so, I looked into bringing a puppy into our house again. 
and we welcome the Connie Corso into our house, an Italian Mastiff. Uh, he's now 10 months old. He weighs about 115 pounds, but we just started showing him. So my grandfather used to do dog shows way back in the day. He's 90 now. Uh, but when he was in his 30s, he showed German Shepherds. And I've always loved Connie Corsos ever since I had a neighbor who introduced me to one 10 years ago. And I asked my youngest daughter, who's 11, if she would actually show our dog, Achilles is his name, for us. They actually competed in their first show this weekend. Um, Kylie won two first place ribbons and one second place ribbon with Achilles this weekend. My other two, two children who are still at home are very involved in sports, basketball, and football. So really what I'm getting at is I find my Kiki's activities as not only what we do as an outlet, but really as a dad, I just find that so entertaining. It's really parent entertainment when you're going to watch your Kiki excel in sports. And, uh, you know, my grandmother, as you folks know, Hanny Anderson was involved in women's canoe paddling for decades. Sports has really, really been an outlet for, for our family. And with my grandfather, uh, with dogs, that's been another outlet, trying to bring all of that together and has really provided some solid family time for our Ohana and looking forward to being able to do more of that going forward. All right. Well, our time is up, but we want to thank uh, you, Ikaika Anderson, for uh, joining us this morning, sharing a little more details about your candidacy and your views on some of the topics and issues that uh, we face here in the state of Hawaii. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Look forward so to seeing much. and talking to you again. Look forward to talking more in the future. Aloha. 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 Great to hear from Ikaika Anderson on his run for lieutenant governor. Uh, interesting to hear his thoughts on housing and creating more of those projects like the one that Auntie Blanche has been responsible for pioneering over in Waimanalo. That could be a model that could be replicated across the islands, he's saying. Uh, also getting his thoughts on COVID restrictions and differing a little bit from Governor Ige's decision to require uh, vaccine mandates for new hires. He's saying that if it were up to him, he would recommend that they keep the testing options for those folks who uh, either can't or won't get a vaccine. Yeah, also hearing his concerns of over-tourism and finding ways to limit the amount of visitors, saying that 10 million visitors to Hawaii is not sustainable and that he would be looking for ways to help to uh, be able to support the industry but ensure that it, it does not become something that becomes an issue that we saw many local residents upset about what we saw uh, last year with the influx of tourists and trying to find that balance between locals and visitors. We also heard his thoughts on the 30 meter te telescope, uh, not necessarily saying directly uh, if he supports or uh, does not support the construction of the project, but is calling for further uh, collaboration between the whole Native Hawaiian community and, and having them uh, you know, the discussions at that level and being able to have Native Hawaiians uh, at the seat of decision making when it comes to matters uh, like what we're seeing on Mauna Kea. 
Yeah, and also interesting just to hear about his personal life. You know, he is in that sort of sandwich generation where he is both taking care of Kupuna in his household and talking about the challenges with that as they go through COVID, but also taking care of young children. His twins are 11 years old. Um, and then, of course, he has uh, older children as well and just managing all that as a single dad. I liked that uh, that he shared that at the end, a 115-pound Mastiff that they are now showing in dog shows. That is something that we did not know about Kaika Anderson, it's always fun to get a personal side of these folks who want to hold public office. Also, uh, going back to the more substantive part of the interview, it was interesting to hear his thoughts on term limits at the legislature. Uh, if he is elected to that office, I don't know that if that will make him popular with the colleagues uh, downstairs, but I do think that that is something that is being discussed, especially in the wake of the uh, scandal at the legislature. Yeah, we look forward to having uh, these types of conversations with the other leading and major candidates for lieutenant governor. Of course, it is a crowded field. There are five, uh, you know, major candidates for this in the on the Democratic side, and so we look forward to speaking with them as well as we will continue to highlight those who are seeking the office of governor. It is going to be a busy election season, and so we look forward to having more of these conversations in the months ahead. That's right. And on uh, Friday, Tommy Waters is our guest. He, of course, is the chair of the Honolulu City Council, an office that Ikaika Anderson held in the past. We'll be talking to him about the initiatives that the council is looking at, uh, their thoughts on COVID-19, Red Hill, affordable housing, all the major issues, of course, touch the council. And so we'll be interested to talk to Tommy Waters right here at 1030 on Friday. We'll see you then. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Longs Drugs and Beachside Roofing.